Hello and welcome back to the Comic Lyric Podcast, the podcast that's currently being set on the surface of the sun and does the deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, mangas, penny dreadfuls. I'm speeding this up because this is going to be a hot episode and I'm your host, the soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my unconventional co-host, it's Jamie. I like being unconventional. I also would just like to give the listeners a little insight. This is the warmest room I've ever been in. And and it's your own room, so it's, it it's even worse. And I'm a large man with fair skin and a lot of hair, and so I'm suffering big muchly. <laughs> have you have you considered shaving off all your hair, like kind of springtime, and then like regrowing it in the kind of autumn time to keep in line with the the seasons? You've known me a long time, Ryan. When was the last time you saw me without a beard? Uh, uh, high school. So. Without giving our age away, it was a several prime ministers ago, which could mean anything. <laughs> that at this could mean point. last yeah, week. <laughs> exactly. It was a time ago. Yeah. But how, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, who are you and what are you doing in my house? <laughs> this is my house. The last time I checked. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it, communism way, it's, it's our house, isn't it? Property like, it's is every, theft. It's every, yeah, property is theft. Exactly. But it, yeah, as I said in the intro, which people might have, if they're used to the normal intro, been, might have been like, wait, what the fuck's going on here? It is pretty warm in here, so and we have to turn the fans off to start recording. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, of, of all the first world problems, like <laughs> the podcaster's first world problem is we have to have the fan off so we can oh. record and talk about comic books for an hour. In my house that was built like a tank so it stays warm in the winter, I'm now boiling. Yeah, and to any Americans who are like, ooh, what is it, like 25 degrees? Oh no, woe is me. Like, we... The homes aren't built for this heat. Like, they were built in a time where the climate was like, well, we just have to worry about the cold and that's it. Yeah, British homes are built exclusively to retain heat. And there's been a universal decision on behalf of the British that we don't use air conditioners. Well, we don't have the windows for it. So that's the problem is Americans might be... might. Fair enough, like, not know they enough to be like... They have the little hole, don't they? So they have the windows that mm. go up like yeah. a sliding thing. All our windows, like 90% of British windows, are open like out. Uh, open out Yeah, on, on an angle. So it's not sliding up, it's a hinge on one side, and then it yeah opens from that hinge. And if you try and place an air conditioning unit in there, it may or may not just fall out. The real question, Ryan... Is are there more doors or windows? <laughs> I mean, if, it, if you go to America, then it's, uh, and are those windows, do they slide up correctly? Can you fit an air conditioning unit in them? Yeah, Or absolutely. do you just leave the door open and hope that the wind can, comes in and goes out and cools you down? Yeah, absolutely. And in England, it's just, we will cook and whoever survives by autumn is the lucky ones. Yeah, literally. It's become the British Hunger Games. Yep, yep. And then we freeze on our hovels during the winter because the heating prices are so extensive. But we're used to the freezing. Like, our, we're, our British blood literally protects us from the, from the cold. I remember as a student when I lived up north, for our listeners who aren't British, the north of England is much colder than the south of England. And then Game of Thrones passed the wall. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the North. Well, that's Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> to north, our Scottish listeners, you know. <laughs> yeah, north of the wall is Scotland. Um, but the North... Was like, that Hadrian's Wall? Well, that's the implication, yes. isn't it? It's a, it's a very aggrandized version of Hadrian's Wall. Again, for our not British listeners now, Hadrian's Wall um, forms the border between Scotland and England, but you can step over it. Hadrian's Wall is about knee height, isn't it? Yeah, I think... if I'm, Correct me if I'm wrong... 
but I believe when it was originally built, that's how tall everyone was in the world in, in England. <laughs> that's about a foot. not the case. And then evolution <laughs> meant that the Scots grew taller, and then we had to grow taller in response. And Absolutely. That's, that, that was what Charles Darwin wrote about the the theory, the origin of um, the Scot- arms Scottish race, people, the arms race between the jocks and the English yeah. as to who could get taller the fastest. The height arms race that took over thousands of years, which is why Scottish food is so calorie dense. Yeah, because they were packing on the the absolutely. Yeah, the, you can't you can't get to six seven without a few deep fried Mars bars and some haggis every day. It's also and Scottish listeners, feel free to write in and correct me if I'm wrong. It's also why the kilt was so big in Scotland because they needed the extra <laughs> leg to get over the wall to get into England, right? <laughs> to do their raiding. Yeah, exactly. So this has been the uh, history British history <laughs> podcast. And Matt, like I like to imagine, right, that at some point in the not so distant future. The dumb kid who can't work out how to use ChatGPT is trying to find some information about, like, you know, the English-Scottish wars, which did happen. And they stumble upon this podcast and they get an F and they're like, but but Jamie and Ryan said it in the podcast, which is normally very factually correct. Well, the problem is if it's an AI colon, they've <laughs> taken ours with they've taken our information without crediting us and then put put it in with all the correct information. And then someone's got an F on their test because that is the problem. That's how it's working now, yeah. isn't it? ChatGPT, they don't know what's correct, but they know what sounds correct. And that's how the technology... Oh, obviously, I'm a scientist on it, so I know what I'm talking about. Mm. But that's that's generally how it works, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you're an AI expert. Yes. And speaking of whatever the transition is that gets us here, uh, we are talking about a title that has nothing to do with AI. Speaking, of, hi- speaking of history or interpretations of history, yeah. that's one way that you could look at it for this week. We are looking at the uh, very successful, well, probably one of the most successful, definitely one of the longest running mangas, I'd say, of all time, uh, One Piece. Yeah. And this is something that I knew absolutely zero about going in. Yeah. And this is something that I had a foggy memory of from early childhood. Not early childhood, like pre-adolescence. Well, do you want to walk us through Do you what was your best kind of recollections of uh, your experiences with it? Bendy Pirate. That is pretty much, the, that's the synopsis, to be fair. Bendy pirate doesn't like doing actual piracy, just wants to fuck with the other pirates, is the overwhelming sense that I get from One Piece. I'll tell you what, on another tangent, re- related tangent, what is your experience with the pirate genre? Is there any like things that you've been into in that regard? Well, we both played Assassin's Creed Black Flag, didn't we? Best Assassin's Creed game, in mm, my humble opinion. The naval combat was really good. Mm. Um, Taught me a lot about, it, it, once, you, once you actually discern the fake templars and yeah. uh, assassins and se- pre-civilization bollocks once you take assassins creed shenanigans once you yeah, take yeah. all that out <laughs> shenanigans exactly there was some factual stuff in there which was interesting to learn yeah so i know a bit about the way that pirates actually operated because i watched a cgp gray video on it shout out to cgp gray we are not worthy um beyond that the pirate genre never really got to me like I remember the meme when I was when we were in school. Pirates and ninjas. Pirates versus ninjas, right? Mm. I was always a ninja person, which is not too far off One Piece when you think about <laughs> it. And maybe, that's not, maybe this is part of that. That's not just because it's Japanese manga, but there are a lot of there's a lot of Japanese influence on the pirate genre. It's Ryan's turn to skirt the line towards racism against the Japanese in this Look, one. No. All I'm saying is, I did it last. I time. was thrown off slightly when the pirates were drinking sake. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that took me a little like brain configuration to be like, oh yeah, this is the the manga Japanese version of of the pir- the Western pirate genre. And also, one of the characters has katanas. And yes, I, and I know they were katanas this time because they say it because they say they're katanas a few times. Well, it's the fact that he has three of them, and I'm like, what? Where? How is he wielding the third one in his foot? Like, unless he's unless he's quadrupedal. Well, we'll we'll get into the yeah, details. I have made quite sufficient notes on all those kind of details to to question. Um, li- I hope you're not. I hope you're not anticipating that I'm going to have the answers on this one. Oh no, no, these are more like <laughs> with, we're going to debate them. Or we're going to throw the ball around and see what we get out of it. More than that, but for me, pirates, I there's a couple of specific things that I really enjoyed about the genre. I wouldn't say I then got into it. I was kind of fascinated by the how the real uh, the real stories how they became this mm. kind of genre in itself yeah um but for me a television show that i credit as a great uh, story of pirate is black sails i think it's called and that is uh it was a stars tv show i've also seen that it's fantastic generally one of my favorite tv shows of all time yeah. uh it's a, a adult um prequel to the uh treasure island yeah. story which i didn't realize when i first watched it oh really yeah i literally that's hadn't... some really useful context <laughs> well it, it, so when i watched the first series i didn't realize and there's a character who you find out is john silver yeah and i just thought like oh because that because the treasure island one w- must have been based on this real person yeah no <laughs> it's, it's the john silver from treasure island yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as captain flint so yeah. those are the only two completely fictional main characters hmm. everyone else are based on real people yeah. so that kind of took me down a little bit of a rabbit hole of like Ooh, like who are these real pirates and how true was the stories and that is quite fascinating i'm pretty sure i had a fondness for the pirates of the caribbean film when it came out yeah, and that's that's pretty far from the um the reality from of the reality. Piracy. But still, it's the genre, the modern version of the genre. The rock star pirate. Yeah, and to be fair, that first Pirates of the Caribbean film, surprisingly good for a film that was literally based on a ride at Disneyland. The ride came first. The no. ride came first, yeah. Really? And then, because they did it again with Haunted Mansion, like recently, because uh, there was just a Haunted Mansion ride. Um, or is the one back that Eddie Murphy was in, that apparently was not very good. But basically, they were like, yeah, let's just make a film about the Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. And then it was really good. I suppose they got a cracking cast, though, didn't they? Because Johnny Depp was good in it. Keira Knightley was good in it. So Johnny Depp was good in this one. And to a degree, the second and third one as well. And then shit after that. Mm. The reason being was he was this wacky character, but he was just he was presented just the right doses. Well, do you know who that character is based on? uh is did he base the acting on uh hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on uh keith richards yeah yes yes 100% it's it, that's why he's in the third one that character came out cuz they're friends they're, right. they're they're buddies uh cuz they're both musicians right um and so that character came out of johnny depp's impression of a young keith richards yeah that makes sense like yeah. 100% and if you actually look at like maybe like 1960s 1970s keith richards like maybe just after he got clean mm. like he does have that kind of rakish charm to him yeah the johnny depp and johnny and like johnny depp nails him i think like he does a great job of just doing an impression of keith richards and turning it into a pirate if keith richards was younger and a pirate that, yeah that would be him. and keith richards fashion in the 70s was a bit piratey 
Like <laughs> pirate chic. <laughs> yeah, like he used to wear like the bandanas and the big dangly earrings, and he always looked. I mean, Keith Richards has looked old since about the 1970s, even though he was a relatively young man at the time. Drugs will do that. Yeah, like no. I'm 23. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for anybody who's not a fan of classic rock and roll, there is a joke that Keith Richards can't be killed by conventional means because he is just invincible. I think the agreed upon idea at this point is that he will die when the devil takes the, the soul for giving him the, the guitar <laughs> abilities. I think that's how it works. He's a good player. Yeah, yeah. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention, if we're talking about the pirate genre, I think our generation's defining uh, piece of pirate fiction, which is the Muppets Treasure Island. Oh, yeah. Didn't think of it, but um, yes. That has to be one of the biggest ones. Like, Yeah, I suppose it does, doesn't it? And especially uh, Tim Curry as Long John Silver. Like, yeah. He, he nails that scene. He chews just the right amount of scenery, but still with a little bit of heart. So if you're looking for pirate-themed um, pieces of fiction, that Black Sails... Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, there's your, your trinity right there. Yeah. So I would like to... I, I actually made Ryan correct this in the episode, the last manga episode we did, because um, I consistently mispronounced Shonen Jump. I pronounced it as Shojin Jump. Um, so how do you think Shonen Jump did with this pirate story? So just to clarify, for anyone wondering, we're covering... I mean, I read the first eight chapters, which was the first volume. Yeah, I read about the same. Yeah. And I mean... What should be mentioned first and foremost is anyone who kind of has been an in or around the One Piece franchise. It started in '97, yeah, and it's still going. It's and huge. I don't mean we don't mean like Marvel or DC like started in the '50s and they've rebooted several times. The single story is on chapter volume chapter one thousand and something now. It's just the it's kept going. So really what we're talking about here is not with this isn't a definitive review of the series. This is not a definitive take on anything that happens or happens after because again, I read a bunch of it as a teenager, mm. but that would have been X amount of years ago. So much has happened since then that I'm just not familiar with. Of course. Um really we're talking about the vibe, aren't we? Like the vibe that we get from it and kind of how we feel that the story was being told back in what we read that probably we we probably read between like 97 and about 2000 i suppose yeah and specifically um what we are seeing is the very beginning of something that no one knew at the time was gonna be as successful as it was yeah um and just a little bit if anyone is interested and i wrote it down what seems to be common for mangas as opposed to western comics is they do a lot of them seem to be written and illustrated by one person? Yes. Who, in this case, One Piece was uh, written and illustrated by a Echiro Oda. And I wrote that phonetically to make sure I got that <laughs> correct. Um, now, the reason I got onto all that and stating where we're starting from is my overall general review, I didn't like the first chapter. Mm. It picks up after that. And the reason I think I didn't like it, I think is a fair enough um, excuse for it. It was only meant to be a single uh, story when he first wrote mm. that first chapter. Yeah, yeah. That was meant to be an isolated story. And then when someone said, yeah, that's pretty good, he then kept going. Yeah. Um, so I think the problems that I have with that first chapter, which we'll, we'll get into first, but they are... I think they are rectified quite quickly. And I mean like tonal, stylish 
the stuff like that is changed after the second chapter. Did you get bogged as bogged down in the into the two alternate versions of the second chapter as I did? Uh, do you mean the first chapter had yeah. a couple of versions, like yeah. uncut and yeah? Uh, well, no, because no, there were two. So there were two distinct stories that the same story beats popped up in. So there's right. there's one where he fights the bandits on land and there's another one where he fights some pirates on sea and they're two alternate versions alternate drafts of the same issue like the same chapter i've only read the one where they fought on land so yeah yeah there's the one on the sea with different pirates but he like we have the same revelation about his rubbery arms yeah and like the same the um the protagonist says the same key things but just in a completely different context. And it's very strange. And it kind of really threw me because I don't remember that from when I read it. But when I read it, um, I hadn't bought digital copies online like I did this time. I was mm. reading somebody else's hard copies. Right. And so they, they would have just picked one and whichever one was the definitive one and gone with that. I, I mean, you never know when it's publishing, like, which it's going to be. Exactly. Like, yeah. comics constantly have that where the first one will have a director's cut which yeah. is such a they use that term even though there's no director yeah. of the it's just like there's a no director and there's no cut <laughs> it's a phrase in itself now yeah but um but yeah and you never know which one you're necessarily going to get I, I don't i generally didn't know i knew there were different versions i don't know which one i got the phrase has always bothered me as well because the director does both cuts yeah who so if, if the extended version is the director's cut who the fuck is doing this whole other cut I, of this film the implication is and this comes a lot this comes up a lot now more so with these franchises from from the, the studio are getting involved exactly so the first one's like this one i had to do for the bloody studio the bloody suits yeah. But this one, this is the real deal. Like this, this is the, real is the one. This is the film that I wanted to make. Exactly. And do you know what? Nine times out of ten, I find director's cuts a bit bloated. <laughs> it really depends. I mean, so it depends what the scenario of the original one was. I mean, a lot of people hold the whole Snyder fans bollocks. Like I know, you know, I see all the DC bollocks from the outside, and they were like, "Oh, once the Batman v Superman Snyder cut gets released, then that will answer the questions that people had for the original one." And then I watched the cut and I was like, it answers some questions, doesn't fix everything though. <laughs> like, there's still really big problems. The one that always gets me is the extended cut of Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's just uh, masochists, like, subject themselves to the nine hours, like, all in one go. Yeah, and I've, tr- I've, I've done the trilogy in a day, but mm. the original cuts. But I feel like Peter Jackson did a good enough job on those original ones that no one was like... This is the thing, like the director has become tainted by this, like it's not good or as good as it could have been on initial release. So then there's a hype around like this is what the director really would have done if the student hadn't interfered. Lord of the Rings was like really well received when it first came out. So the director's cut then was just a bonus. And they're still excellent. Exactly. Like the original cuts are still beautiful films. Yeah. And director's cuts, I think, should be a bit bloated. They should be like, you had this good one on release. But now, if you really like that, here's some all, longer stuff. And here's have, all the stuff that got cut, and exactly. here's all the extra context. And if you're and, already a huge fan, you ain't going to be like, well, this one's too blowered. I hate it now. You're going to be like, give me more of this thing. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know which one of the first chapters I got, but <laughs> I, but I, from what I saw, it does seem to be like, you know, pretty similar story across the board for so the, the origin. Yeah. There was chapter one, chapter 1.1, and chapter 1.2. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to have a look at all of them. Yeah. And my kind of verdict, I was interested in it. I was really interested in the premise. I thought the actual storytelling in that first chapter was not good. Yeah. Well, hmm. So I don't remember this from when I read it, but I was, I was a lot younger. 
the stories are a bit formulaic. So I think they are, I know what you mean by formulaic. I think that is, was the manga style of the late 90s. I think like, because I, I got a similar thing with Pokemon. Like every chapter of Pokemon was quite formulaic to the degree that the chapter titles were named after the Pokemon that got introduced in the chapter. Yeah. So I think that was just the style at the time. Have you read Dragon Ball though? Not the original manga, no. Dragon Ball doesn't suffer from it as much. And Dragon Ball's not as long. Mm. Um, Dragon Ball only ran, ran from like the early 90s to like 95. And rebooted a bunch after that. Well, yeah, but, you know, we've talked about Dragon Ball Z and what that actually was. But the original Dragon Ball cartoon with Kid Goku with a tail. Yeah. Dragon Ball GT? Dragon Ball. Oh, okay. I know uh, GT was another one, but... Yeah, yeah much later. Um, what, yeah, it didn't... Again, from my remembrance of it, and it may well be that we're probably going to have to talk about Dragon Ball at some point. Yeah. I know there's a new live-action film coming something out, Something always comes out with Dragon Ball. It's a game or another yeah, part of the yeah. anime. Something will, something will happen. Reddit seems, to be talk, Reddit seems to be making like casting projections for something at the moment, but I'm not clicking on the posts to see. I just want all the same ones from that first film that did really badly. Just bring all that cast back. You know the green bloke? Krillin? No, not Krillin. Piccolo. Piccolo. Um, I've seen a lot of bad, I think, I think they're AI generated images of Samuel L. Jackson as Piccolo. And I'm like, imagine Samuel L. Jackson going in as Piccolo and calling everyone motherfuckers. Like, I it would be so good. There's literally, there's, there was an older, whatever, the... I almost had what that race was called. I could not, the, the Piccolo's race, but yeah, I, yeah. I lost it. But there's older ones of them. I think he'd be perfect as one of those. Like an older Piccolo alien who's, who, because he joins with them at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So then you could, you could CGI like a bit of Sam Jackson into like whoever the younger actor is yeah. and they were like that. But um, yeah, it's, I had some issues with this first chapter. This, again, the storytelling I think was a bit not all over the place, but like it. Not even formulaic, like a bit just missing parts almost. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, what, what's the protagonist's name again? Jesus. Luffy. Luffy. Monkey Luffy. Yeah, so I kind of liked the stuff with Kid Luffy. Like, I, I enjoyed that little insight into him as a child. Because again, I remember him as, as a, you know, adol- like a late adolescent, like 10 years hmm. on. I remember Luffy as his character model is for the rest of it. Yeah. And so seeing Kid Luffy again, I was like, I don't remember this first issue, really. And it was quite cool to see him all young and precocious and, you know, struggling a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I found it a little bit like, hey, I want to be a pirate too. It's like, you can't swim. And I was like, is that going to be the big thing? Like, fair enough. Like, that's a, that, is, that can be a plot point. And it's, it's cute in the, in the manga style. My biggest issue with this chapter was how they handled the whole devil fruit, bendy body, <laughs> rubber body thing. <laughs> they'd, so they'd been raided by bandits, and during the fiasco that ensued, they had allowed a small child that was inexplicably hanging around in the bar that they were in to eat their treasure, which was a fruit that made you super bendy, and also made it so that you can't swim. No, like, he I, he couldn't swim before. He oh, couldn't. He couldn't. Yeah. No, he couldn't swim before. But he was saying he was going to learn to swim. And then when he ate the fruit, they were like, "You're definitely not going to be able to swim now." Yeah. So it's like, does rubber sink? Is that I'm, a thing? I'm hesitant. I like I said before in the Demon Slayer episode, I'm hesitant to criticize manga storytelling because I don't know if it's just me coming from <laughs> my Western, you know, what I'm used to yeah. in the story. But if I am 
if I am assessing it like completely objectively, it's really bad. Like that one, like they bring in this devil fruit thing out of nowhere. It's yeah. literally just suddenly you write the devil fruit that like gives you powers. Like it's just so out of nowhere all of a sudden. And I thought at the very least, and again, this is why I made this caveat about the first chapter being different. I think this guy, this was an attempt at telling this one-off story. And I think this guy did fix some of the, this issue literally fixes it. This problem fixes like in the next chapter. Yeah. But the complete lack of introducing this pivotal plot point. <laughs> sorry for the alliteration. Um, I loved it. But for introducing that literally out of nowhere and not just at the beginning, they could have come in. They could be like, oh, we got a big prize. We've got one of the, the famous devil fruits. And it would have just taken that little bit of exposition. Yeah, just a little bit of like, oh, it's a fruit. And then Luffy comes in uh, but after they've said it. So he yeah. doesn't hear all this. And then he's like, oh, a fruit. And, you know, that that could really work in itself. But they just he didn't do any of that stuff. And that's no. what kind of irked me a bit. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. And not to get too far ahead. I like that after that, and this is why I think he learned from the mistake, after that, the devil fruit becomes this background thing in the story that's yeah. like brought up several times more. So it's so it's this bit of mysticism within yeah. a not necessarily mystical story. And that's, I like that. I like little bits of mysticism within a uh, realistic story um, for the most part. And it was like, I like that a little bit, but the introduction was just so threw me off and took me out of the story. That's the problem. Mm. There was a lot of little things that took me out of the story, and it, but, the, but these are more related to the tone of the the t- of the manga as well. Yeah, like the pirates are very not traditional pirates. <laughs> like a point a point where uh, the bandits come in and basically like embarrass the the captain. Yeah, by smashing his bottle of sake and making him clean up, and then once they leave, the pirates are like. Oh, ha ha, Captain! Like the, he was so embarrassed, lol. And the captain's like, "Ah, I'm laughing with you. Like we're all we're all having a good time." So, well, when you have any kind of pre-pirate experience, you're like, that captain would probably be killed after this for showing weakness. But that yeah. becomes a part of the story where that captain, uh, Captain Shanks or Shank, I think his name is, that's like he is a different pirate. Yeah. So once I got a bit further, and I was like. Even by the end of that first chapter, I was like, okay, this is actually meant to be this kind of way. Pirate Main, I think they call it. Pirate Main? There's something Main, isn't there? They call the pirates that only pirate other pirates. I didn't hear that part. I I didn't see that part. I don't know if I missed it. That might have been the alternate version that I read. Potentially. This is all getting very confusing. We might have that issue. And rather than going into any of those smaller points, because there might be different issues, one part that I think was particularly egregious... And I'll see if you had the same thing or not. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't read it, Luffy uh, ends up at sea because the bandit, little thing, the bandit uses a smoke bomb to escape from land. <laughs> Second manga title we've read where a character suddenly has smoke yeah. bombs, which I, if that's a common manga trope, I love it. Like I genuinely, I think that's <laughs> smoke bomb. Fantastic. They're just the entire series. It could be a thousand chapters in and there's never been one smoke bomb. It's, Never been one smoke bomb. And then suddenly, smoke bomb! (laughs) But they end up out at sea, and then there's a big sea monster that almost gets them. And then somehow, uh, Shanks, Shanks, I almost said Skanks, and that would have been (laughs) the older version. A bunch of Skanks arrive. Shanks magically turns up and tells the, just tells the monster basically to fuck off. And he does. And that's like a cool, like. But then loses an arm to it. Exactly. And that, I was like, 
how did he lose that arm? We don't see the arm come off. We exactly. Just, we, we don't even see a stump. By the time that we see it, it's seconds later, and he's already adjusted to his new life with one arm and covered it with his coat and done like the so pocket in you, the... You do see the stump for okay. one panel. Again, might be different versions. You do see the stump, and that's what shocked me. when Because he's holding Luffy in the sea after the monster's gone. And Luffy, it builds up to it almost. Where Luffy's like, he's like, you're fine, you're fine. The monster's gone. I've saved you. You're good. Thanks for sticking up for us. And you, Luffy's like building up like, but, but Shanks, you... You lost your arm, and then it cuts to his, his, his stump. <laughs> and but it's, this is still in the water, and he's just got a bloody stump with yeah. the torn off sleeve. And that's when I'm like, when did he lose? Did, did he even touch the sea monster? <laughs> like what happened? And so that was particularly egregious. Again, and I'm I'm glad to see that it wasn't just my no, version. no, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and apparently, so I went on YouTube literally with the sole intention of getting the correct pronunciation of the creator's name yeah and the video i went on i it's it's one if you literally just just search the author's name it's the first one that comes up so i can't remember and credit yeah, it but yeah. it's, it's a channel dedicated to one piece oh cool. over a million subscribers so they're doing well off this one franchise but um the his video was about a small change that he made to make that first chapter better and successful yeah. and apparently the change was shanks losing his arm that was the change that apparently was the change <laughs> and admittedly i didn't watch the whole video but it was pretty clear from the bit i saw the some apparently he gave this first chapter to someone to read and they were like it's pretty mm. good could use a bit more stakes towards the end or something and he was like all right main character loses an arm then and i <laughs> i wish someone had been like you have to write the arm loss into the story like yeah. you actually have to put that in to to benefit from the tragedy of the lost limb. And then I think the hilarious thing is that post losing an arm, he's then straight back out to sea. Now, this is set in a roughly kind of pre-technology age, like I mean there's definitely the the, the biggest technology we see I think is guns of like rifles to a certain degree. So pre-industrial revolution, right? Yeah. Um if you lost an arm to a sea creature now, you would be in hospital for a long time. Yes, yeah, exactly. If you lost an arm to a sea creature then, you would be in hospital for a really long time and would probably die from the resultant infection. But he, like, loses an arm. He doesn't even have time for the wound to knit itself together and he's like, right, back off to sea, lads. Still the captain. I mean, this is the kind of... I was going to say nitpicking. You can apply to a lot of fiction generally. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm being nitpicky. Yeah. It's the same way in action. And in an action film, someone can take a bullet to the shoulder and be like, ah, I missed the organ. Uh, I took in the shoulder, so I'm basically fine. But yeah. It's like in the real world, it's like, you're going to be uh, debilitated for at least a year. Yeah, you, you, you're, gonna, you're about to go into shock and die. Exactly, yeah. So, and, and I think to sum up perfectly, for a series that has these devil fruit rubber body things in, like... Yes, no, we... Yeah. Shanks can... is just so hard a person that he just was fine with it. Yeah, but so <laughs> that <laughs> this better be a good point you're building up to. Well, like a lot of serious anime will have quite wacky character models, and this does. Oh, 100%. but there's also a lot of anime pretty boys, and Shanks is one of them. I so think he's that's... like your generic. He has like a slight hint of a Japanese man's goatee, mm. but he looks quite Western, and I'm like. They didn't like. It's always really funny when you see these anime pretty boys. These very slight, 
kind of a very effeminate looking people and then they attribute attribute all these like hard art like badass hard characteristics to him and i'm hmm. like he d- he doesn't look like a man who could get his arm bitten off and then be straight back out to sea well i think i they, just don't buy it they are going for that duality of the character so yeah. on the one hand like i said before he can be embarrassed by this bandit leader and laugh it off without any kind of the toxic masculinity of you know which for me was a sign of strength exactly and then when things matter he, he literally goes i literally couldn't give a shit about you spilling my bottle and embarrassing me but as soon as you threaten my friends yeah. i'm i turn into like i go super sad basically and that like, was pretty badass exactly yeah that so was I, pretty badass. they're going for that dual thing it's like i'm caring i'm holding you with my one arm because i lost the other just a few seconds ago <laughs> but for me especially it was i the not seeing losing the arm was the worst part about that yeah, yeah, yeah. but then again like a, through pure accident i saw what i think was the reason for it where he just really wanted to slot it in just to make this one chapter which he thought was just the one and done story he just yeah. wanted to make that a little better and we don't really see much of shanks thereafter do we well we haven't for the for the, for the first volume i think yeah. from what i saw on the thumbnails i think he does come back as a very prominent character later right, on cool so i think that he's playing the long game and bringing him back later on at the very least which which did look good like if you're getting into this in this story and you go, oh, like this character's going to come back later. He's going to be a big deal. Like it's uh, intriguing um, points. And I mean, it goes for bloody thousand chapters after this. So they'd probably revisit every character. Yeah, every possibly. major and minor character. Like there's, there's going to be a full roster, isn't mm. there? Speaking on the art style, which does seem to be quite a uniform house style for manga, maybe specifically Shonen Jump titles. I like it. It's it's still odd to me, and again, this is purely coming from my Western comics experience for mm. my entire life. But it's still so odd to me that these individual artist writers all have the all draw in the same style or similar enough. Yeah, style. I mean, it's anime eyes, isn't it? It's anime faces. I think One Piece looks great. Like that's the one thing that I I took away from it is that I really enjoyed the art. I thought the character models were all quite distinct and fun. I think most of it looked great. There were some smaller panels where I didn't know what was going on in them. And they're, yeah. they're trying to show this like unique point of view, which you see a lot in animes where sometimes something's happening. And then, for lack of a better term, the camera will then just point in a random view while you yeah. still hear stuff going on. And then it jumps back to it. They seem to be like single panels here. Like one prime example. So they get into a bit later where they're trying to free the pirate hunter zoro he's so cool he's fantastic character i really liked him but there's a part there where at the same time so there's a character what's his name kobe 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 is trying to free the pirate hunter and at the same time luffy is in um in the mansion with the son of the marine head of the marines the guy with an axe for an arm yeah and something happens and that's it so luffy's holding the son of the lieutenant like hostage yeah and he's like and obviously he's like don't shoot and then there's a small panel and i think oh someone's got shot and then it turned out it was kobe standing in front of the pirate captain yeah so that was meant to be obviously a transition between scenes yeah but the one panel that was a transition i had no idea what was going on in it so you, yeah, yeah 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 and that's so little bits like that Again, that might be the style and who So knows? something I think we might benefit from when we do manga in the future, because there I believe there is a like later 
anniversary edition of the early volumes of this that's been colorized. Right, that would be interesting. Yeah, like they did it with Scott Pilgrim, didn't they? Um, and it's it's kind of like an anime, a manga thing that it's all in black and white, but then the really popularized ones will sometimes get a colorized edition later. And I watched a few like rundowns on YouTube of the later issues just to make sure I didn't say anything biblically stupid. Mm. And a lot of the panels they were showing there were in color. Right. And so I think there might be colorized editions floating about, and I bet that would help because again, I got this sometimes backgrounds are a little muddy yes because it's a lot of very fine black lines all over the place isn't it exactly and that was one of my problems with a couple of the panels there's a small panel they're trying to show a bit of action in it and there's so many lines you just don't know what's really going on yeah yeah particularly i mean particularly when huffy luffy luffy huffy huffy's his uh degenerate <laughs> twin <laughs> brother he really loves glue yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> oh huffy <laughs> Huffy actually lives in Luffy's mum and dad's basement. Was he called Huffy because of his <laughs> his uh, uh, paint addiction, or was that the nickname? His actual name was like Gerald, and then they were like Huffy. <laughs> and then yeah, he still lives in Luffy's mum and dad's basement, um, just playing nintendo 64 with a huffing. suspicious bag with a suspicious with bag the, of pottery enamel where it's, that rolled, he's where it's rolled down so it could fit perfectly <laughs> over a mouth for some reason <laughs> a brown paper bag with pottery enamel in it yeah he failed pottery class <laughs> just started huffing the enamel yeah huffing pottery <laughs> enamel where i know where i've gotten that from i know i got the the paint huffing thing was from always sunny the p- specifically huffing pottery enamel is summer in rick and morty isn't it uh, I don't remember it, but I assume it's probably a joke. A one-off joke I don't remember. It's the family therapy episode. Right. Where Morty's oh, she's in trouble for that, isn't she? Morty's been desk wetting, and she's been snuffing huffing pottery enamel. Yeah. And then the therapist really wants to zone in on Beth, and Beth gets really frustrated about it. Yes. Yeah. So I'm good at, I'm good at doing the synopsis sometimes. <laughs> synopsis for tangents. <laughs> good old yeah. tangent synopsis. To be fair, I think I really benefit from coming into this not knowing anything. Like, on in in ways. On the one hand, the sudden introduction of the devil fruit, which I'm going to keep coming back to, was like, wait, what the fuck? Mm. Once it was established, I was like, I like this one kid with powers who... It's a bit naive, but also indestructible. So it's fun to see his adventures with lower stakes for him personally. Yeah. Oh, one thing before the art of Gun, the big panel spreads where Luffy's doing a stretched limb attack. Super cool. Fantastic. I really enjoyed Super those. Super cool. The- really reminiscent, or maybe One Punch Man is a bit reminiscent of mm, this. Pro- mate, like, probably. It yeah. definitely reminded me of the way that Satoma. Satomi? Satomi, I think. Can't remember his name. Satomi or Satoyu? i'll cut the space or leave it in now No, leave it leave it in um again visual joke in a deeply audio me uh basically you were searching your mind for sato you (laughs) yeah i can't remember satama satama yes satama yeah reminiscent of the way that he's illustrated like he's doing a big punch and then things Mm. are flying off in the distance and again do you know what foreshortening and lengthening are so i'm guessing it's the is it the perspective when deeper into the the whatever the technical term is but like deep into the background and for like you're stretching between the background and foreground yeah exactly yeah. exactly the full lengthening yeah is really great and it's, how the proportions line up perfectly across so that well depth. drawn yeah yeah and then again there's another moment where 
somebody's holding a gun or something to somebody and the foreshortening's really good mm. where it's coming at you and you're like oh wow this looks really great like it just looks great yeah so to criticize you at one point that part those big pants were really good and they benefit from those extra lines and details and stuff yeah 100 percent. and again one of the things that i found with this one because sometimes i struggle with manga because you're reading right to left scanned oh, beautifully every time i picked up again I, <laughs> I, every time i went uh, uh what oh right yeah and then literally left to right oh for fuck's sake right to left so i didn't have any trouble with it this time i think it's because we did all the demon slayer stuff recently even even then i was still i'm still inexperienced enough but did you not find that it scanned really beautifully yeah once i literally it was only the first picking up again like the yeah. first second of getting back into it first two soon, panels right yeah, like yeah exactly and as soon as i was past that yeah i didn't know i didn't have any problems scanned extremely well again my only issue panel layout was great my yeah, only right? my only issue was occasionally a, a single panel would confuse me yeah and that's a different thing like panel and they was did good. a lot of they did a lot of thirds down the page and then split them also down the center of the page horizontally and so you'd get these weird little quarter panels and sometimes i was like oh i'm not sure where i'm going with them but again you just kind of i don't know i kind of felt like i intuitively scanned this one quite nicely um when when did panel layout become like one of our primary things that we talked about on the podcast i think i, I assume at one point and this is pure speculation on our own recent history <laughs> i think that we at one point we talked everything else and when I, I think maybe I just pulled that term from before and panel layout. What was that like? And then we just kind of thought about it for a bit. And now it's just becoming a, a little, it's like a, a section. If there time. is any, because I, 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 I don't remember. If there's anybody who's listened to enough of the Comic Literate podcast to remember, can you write in and tell us where, when we started talking about panel layout? And if you've got the time and no other commitments at all in life, if you could do a super cut of all the times we've talked about panel layout, we'll use that at the end of the year when we do our awards and we'll do our best panel layout award if somebody doesn't do that you need to because that's great like the dullest thing that we talk about i think we're literally just going to take like a list of all the ones we've done over the year the the ones that are releasing this year so that'll be you obviously we're not going to give award for like 2018 immortal hulk or whatever but you know the ones that released this year we'll go over those and we'll be like do you remember the panel layout of that i mean a quick quick google we'll find like a page and be like yeah, actually, that was quite good in that, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, like, unlikely um, unlikely run-up for that, I think, would be uh, the Blue Beetle graduation day, I think, was, like, a nice enough panel layout. And I had issues with, like, all the rest of the stuff going on you anyway. You like the panel layout. The panel layout was good. It had the big, big page, one-page splashes that were nice. But we'll get to that towards the end of the year. Yeah. You um, were going on a point before I interrupted to, about the big panel is there any chance do you remember that point you were going to make? Let's see in the Rolodex of my mind. Because the, there's a key difference in the way that Ryan and I prepare for these podcasts that I wouldn't want to let you into, which is that Ryan has very neat, orderly notes that run episode by episode. I just kind of turn up with a vape and go, hey, let's talk about comic books. <laughs> Imagine the stereotypical odd couple. And it's that, basically. It's, it's my side of the desk is organized and yours is just like a scatterbrain of not even notes, but just ideas. Mine currently has a cat, some cranberry juice, and some sunglasses on it. <laughs> and it's nighttime, so that's especially... <laughs> Don't know, should I put the shades on? I mean, it's up to you. You're I'm gonna not. Do, I'm going to do the rest of the episode in shades. Listeners, Ryan, if you can tell that he's wear, the, wearing the shades or not. 
I mean, I do find you suddenly more sexually attractive. So that, oh. that might be something. Well, because some of my face is obscure. Yeah, less <laughs> Including no, the hair and the beard, it's... Uh... I was going to talk about my favourite issue. Yes. Which is the one that you just hinted at, where they, where they rescue Zorro. Yeah. The two issues with Zorro in them, fantastic stuff. That was the point where the story really picked up for me. So they turn up... So Kobe wants to be a Marine. He's currently a pirate with the worst head pirate, Abida, I think her name is. Yeah, uh, a large woman with a large uh, club, and she beats her her crew with it and with they, the they have to tell her how beautiful she is all the time she literally asks who is the fairest something of the sea like like bloody um the evil queen in the mirror yeah, and cinderella. all that <laughs> is it cinderella or it's one of them isn't it i mean i'd have to watch shrek again just to who remember is the fairest of them all. yeah exactly um and so they they escape her and he gets to the where the marines are and it turns out they're actually like a shady organization that aren't really doing good yeah they're that they they are as brutal as the pirates that he thinks he's escaped basically they are a renowned military group potentially yeah uh but they have someone in charge and we have no idea how or why they got in charge but they have kind of corrupted it from them downwards what we do know is that he has an axe for an arm which is <laughs> classic manga anime just a cool random thing and a son who is consistently dealing on his power and trying to have people killed and just messing with people and is an obnoxious little twerp yeah and a great mirroring of like the of the zoro character who is meant to be the dangerous bad guy but is like actually quite um moral and you know lives by code kind of thing he's he's in some stocks He's like, tied tied to a pole, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. He's sorry, sorry. He's tied to a pole in a kind of crucifix. Uh, yeah, shape, there's which, something a little bit Christ-like about it, isn't there? I think literally the 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 creator might have just seen some Christ imagery and just went, "That's cool. I think I'll put that in." Yeah, Christian imagery in Japan is interesting because there is a big Christian contingent in Japan, isn't there? I had no idea, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I mean, I think we forget as English people that we are a deeply secular country. And that religion is more um, prevalent in a lot of other a lot of other parts of the world. One, I have no idea what you mean. And two, I think it's about time we sang "God Save the Queen" again. <laughs> well, God Save the King now. Secular means not very religious. Yeah, no, I, like, I yeah. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't realize you were joking. Well, we kind of have we we kind of have a bit of both because we are quite sec- non secular as a as a country, but we. Whatever I come at secular or non-secular, that's the one that always gets me. So secular is non-religious. Yeah. Yeah. So we're quite secular as a country, but we also have religion in in institution of England, basically. To for reference for our non-British listeners. Yeah. This happens a lot. Um the king is also the head of the church. Yeah, exactly. We have a head of state who's also the head of the Church of England. Wild. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there, there, there is a there is a strong Christian contingent in Japan, and so if there is any Christ-like imagery, I would imagine it wouldn't pass over a Japanese audience. Do you know what I mean? I think the thing that I liked most about that is that it really did a good job of examining the themes of good and evil, and that are being played within this, which is that we're following a pirate who has a very strong moral compass, and then we're seeing this institution that is hell-bent on eradicating the pirates where the people in it don't seem to have a strong moral compass, 
And then we're presented with this character who's on the stocks, but we find out that it's actually because he killed the guy's son's pet wolf that was like ravaging people in the street. Yeah. So classic good character suffering for his morals, but yeah. suffering with a stoicism of I'm fine. Like if I the 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 story, the context for it is the 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 lieutenant's son has basically told him, if you stay in these stocks or cross or whatever for a month with no food, then I'll let you go. Yeah. And he's like, easy. Like, I I can do that. And then it turns out the son says to someone else, he's like, yeah, I'm going to execute him in like three days. Oh, so, yeah, 100%. So like, he's walking off. through with all his lieutenants, isn't he? Exactly. Um, And again, like, there was a lot of really interesting stuff that happened. So there was this examination of gender that happened in those two issues where we saw young Zorro training with his sensei's daughter. And she's a, pro- a much more prolific, uh, martial artist than he is specifically swords yeah woman. specifically swords swords, swords, yeah. play and he refers to her as a swordsman which yeah. is really interesting um because we don't have a word we don't have the well i would say swordswoman but i think that would c- come off like a bit too many syllables yeah like, more than anything well, else there, there's there's no like generally generally accepted term for a woman who's really good at sword play right yeah just, we just don't have one by the time that gender dynamics of language came in swords had long gone like <laughs> it, we didn't need them anymore yeah i suppose there was very little crossover was there until hema makes a comeback yes until hema becomes a thing and i'm waiting for it it's going to be the sport that i go all in for i'll have the like the uniforms what do they call them e? no 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 you know where people like people who really like watching football will like jerseys cut... that's what the americans call them what do they call them here like a strip i think like a football strip football shirts or i would yeah yeah like a football shirt like once once red bull starts really sponsoring hema and like it becomes a big thing do you know what hema is obviously i know but for the listeners who might not know (laughs) don't mind you tell them historic european martial arts okay nutters with big metal swords who hit each other it's okay yeah fucking brilliant so they put on full armor and they get blunt, but very real, very big metal great swords. I thought you meant like Snoop Dogg for a second, but I, I get what you mean now. <laughs> I would love um, to see Snoop Dogg in full armor. You put on this armor, I'm going to whack you with a sword. <laughs> can, I, can I just get, can I smoke a chair first? <laughs> Is there, I mean, if Snoop Dogg did Hema, they'd have to specially make him a helmet with a little blunt holder in it so mm. that he could have a blunt on the go while he was like, you know, maneuvering. I mean, I say it was the best will of the world for Snoop Dogg. Like, great guy, accomplished. I say great guy. He was, he, I think he got done for murder at one point or something. I don't know. But he seems a nice enough dude now and pleasant enough. He, he's very thin. I think he was doing something like that. I think he'd get knocked over by a gust of wind <laughs> if he was wearing armor. And that's not to say that I'm some muscular he-man of a bloke. Like, I'd probably do worse than him. Tangent, fun story that um, he tells. Uh, there was a, a, according to him... <laughs> There was a point that he wasn't allowed into the UK because of previous previous drug convictions. Right. I guess who stepped in and said, this man has committed no crimes here. You let him perform. When when was this? This was within our lifetimes. All right. Can I get a specific decade? That might... No, because he doesn't give one. I would imagine it would be like the noughties. Okay. I'm going to say Gordon Brown. No. All right. Fucking Queen Elizabeth II. Okay. Fair enough. Was like to parliament she was like no you let this man come in and she did not influence parliament much in her reign and i love the fact that one of the times she did was allegedly so that snoop dogg could come and spit bars here she was like, like that's fucking brilliant she was like if smoking a bit of ganja is is enough to <laughs> let keep someone out of the country then you might as well kick me out as well 
If smoking a bit of ganja is enough to get you kicked out of the country, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen to my son. <laughs> In fairness, yeah, she clearly had a fairly permissible attitude towards crime, didn't she? Yeah, and if you, I mean, we ain't going to touch on it much more. But if you want to, if you want to look into it, search uh, Prince Andrew Newsnight interview. I mean, you can just search Prince Andrew as a sweaty nonce, and you'll get everything you need to know. Or Prince Andrew and, Ep- and Epstein. Yeah, yeah, fucking a. But no, so um. Uh, yeah, I, I found I found that wow, this is such a tangent that I've gone on to to then come back to gender. Yes, like and such I- a loaded topic. No, I really love the examination of gender. So he gets beaten by his sensei's daughter, and it's like they're on like about two thousand or something. And he's so good that he's a child who is beating all the adults. Yeah, so sec he's hard second place in this large group. Yeah, but this this girl is way ahead of him even and then she sits him down and says don't worry i've been told that when you get older you are naturally going to be stronger than me and so i'm only this good at the moment because everyone i'm fighting hasn't hit puberty yet basically yeah and i was like that is and the saddest indictment of our relationship with gender i've ever heard see i actually i really enjoyed this part because oh i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was mm really brilliantly written and really interesting don't get me wrong and especially because the zoro character upon hearing this news because he didn't know this before didn't consider her is upset because now he thinks that if he ever beats her it's because he grew stronger than her and it doesn't count that he's not the better swords person for lack of a better term and that i thought was really deep character like development development just keep deep character depiction like he's so hell-bent on being the best swordsman or swords person or whatever that the fact that he would get an unfair advantage over someone that's better than him yeah. was just dis- dis- made him distraught so he- and so he goes if i can't beat you fairly then we will have a race to see who can be the best swords person out of the 12 so it's not a direct battle but who can best everyone else in the world kind of thing and then she trips and falls i hate and that dies <laughs> the next day and i'm like why have you given us this badass character who is like because by proxy right if he's beating all the grown men and she's beating him you must also be able to take them a good few of them out as well right like yeah. we're, we're we are we are give we are given this great character who seems wise beyond her years and interesting and like having this deep intrinsic understanding of gender issues in 1997 yep yep and then we're like yeah we're not going to see her again though and i was like oh why did you i thought that was horrible writing for a bit there yeah me too and you know what that has becoming a common trope i'm seeing in mangas they'll just suddenly introduce a plot point out of nowhere that's got huge significance and they just they can never subtly or tact tactfully introduce it same thing happened in demon slayer when the character the main character was he was writing the letter back and he's like yeah i've been training to become a demon slayer oh, and we've been going over the 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 sword fighting i've been learning all the stuff and everything by the way my sister's been in a coma for four years yeah and it was yeah. like what the like <laughs> you should have started with that yeah and again here it's it's I think it's bad writing. Um, I again, and this might be my criticism of manga as a whole. Like, yeah, possibly, but but we, but we have to. I suppose this is the thing, though. Even if this is a criticism of the wider genre, I think it's really valid for you to pick out individual instances of it. Yeah, 
I don't I don't I don't think that invalidates your argument. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because what you're identifying here is something in this text. And even if it's part of the wider genre, it's still valid when you pick up on instances of it. Because mm. yeah, like her death really took me out of it for a moment. And we hadn't we'd seen enough of her that I cared about her. But her death I mean, I suppose the suddenness of her death really highlighted the fragility of existence. And they make a point of that. The sensei very sagely says human life is fragile. I th- I suspect, this is a bit of speculation on my part, but I think it's rooted in, you know, contextual evidence. I think the reason she died was to give the Zoro character this motivation. So, yeah. like, why he would be crucified, for lack of a better term, for 30 days without food because he has this deep goal, this drive to achieve this thing, and the death of this character is what's ingrained in him. Similar to Batman's origin with the death of his parents. Batman. Batman, yeah. Batman uh, Jr. this time. Batman Jr. But they already established how important it was to the character before she died. Yeah. He was like, this is my driving goal. wasn't it? Yeah. And for the same reason that uh, Luffy is like, I'm going to be the pirate king. Why? Mm. Because he wants to. That's uh, good enough. Like, I'm I'm flexible enough. I don't need a deep reasoning for everything. Yeah. I can take a character they've introduced with this motivation. It's just because it's who they are. Luffy just wants to be Pirate King. So that those kind of character motivations, because of all the D and D I've played, I I'm a bit blind to them. So when you when you make a D and D character, you give them an ultimate goal, right? But you don't always sit and talk very deeply to everyone else around the table mm. about what they're building. Yeah. And so you'll come into it. And I remember there was a session where we had a robot who was also a cleric, a healer, and he was very sweary and had an Australian accent, but was quite serious about helping people. And then we had a tree person who had been a property developer and then was cursed to become a tree. And his sole goal was buying up as much property wherever he went as he could. And both of these both of these players were coming in hot from these opposite directions. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so when I read a comic book and it's like, I want to be the pirate king. I want to be the best swordsman ever. I'm like, yeah, you do you, boo. Like, that's mm. cool. I'm into that. Let's let's see how this plays out, right? I think we're as again, I always keep coming back to this, but as as Western fiction story in, uh, enjoys for our entire lives we are used to these deeper backstories because it does naturally make stories more interesting yeah but i think we're at a point where we're at a point especially in mainstream media where the things that work are now predictable because mm. they work everyone used them and now they're the template that makes it predictable so i'm i generally find it a little refreshing when a character is just like i want it because that's who i am like that's just the thing i want to do we decided to start a podcast we did not have a tragic backstory of like a dying relative who was like please achieve your dream of creating a, a comic podcast <laughs> in my to, name to, to honor me or anything it's like that it's actually my great nan um comic literate <laughs> yes comic <laughs> surname literate no, comic literate is a hyphenated surname. My name was Ethel. Right, Ethel, comic literate. Ethic, She's Ethel become Com- canon now in the in the law of the podcast. Oh God, but I'm we'll gonna, forget it next week. I'm going anyway. to have to make up a tragic backstory <laughs> for her. And come back to the Zorro backstory. One thing I actually had this thought here on the podcast was they still could have done the death of the of the the woman, the the daughter of the sensei. Wouldn't it been better if they had separated that and had it later? Right. So you have this ingrained backstory of him not being able to best her, so he's got this new goal to become the best independently of of challenging her. 
what if later he received like a letter or something informing him of the tragedy and yeah. then he has to process that now and re like take that on and reincorporate his his goals and everything with this new information like yeah i think you have a valid point which is that we see a tragic death we it, don't it, see a character process a yes death. and it was so quick and he was already in this space of like i need to do this thing now yeah and then they just introduce his death to, to change to nothing really no and i yeah and it, and it took it took an interesting character out of the mix and that's that's why I felt about it. Again, though, I really loved his origin story. Yeah, I, uh, but that being said, I really enjoyed one it. of the most compelling bits of those two issues, which were my favourites of what I read. I thought they were like the coolest issues. They, I mean, there was this. Did you get the um, obvious undertones of the British Empire from it? Uh, a little bit, but only because that's quite common in the pirate genre. Yeah. So pirates will obviously go to these places and dock in the harbour and go into town, but then there'll always be this undercurrent of like, there's people, there's there's a bounty on your head by the law or by the British Empire, which is was literally the law at the time of these pirates. I suppose the difference is here, and I think why this was a more inter- interesting representation of that trope for me, was that in a lot of representations, the empire is seen as like lawful good, if you want to use like alignment charts the pirate genre they're the enemy so yeah but they're the law you yes. know they and are the lawful sometimes neutral sometimes evil yeah but what we're seeing here is the actual truth of the empire in my opinion which is a bunch of morally bankrupt people doing bad things on the high seas um you know uh the the only the only difference that i really see and again some some hardline right-wing british people might get offended by this if you do, comicliter at gmail.com. Um, Hurl the abuse at us if you want. Fucking A. But no, like, you know, when you dig into British, the history of the British Empire, shitty people doing shitty things. And, um, you know, that's to put it fucking lightly, isn't it? Almost exclusively, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we get this, we get these Marines as, you know, there's this perception of them as as upholding the law and catching pirates and getting this scourge out of our seas. And then you meet them and they're really morally bankrupt. And I, I just found that quite compelling and I found it quite interesting. If you want a deeper um, deeper dive into that, uh, the Black Sails TV show really gets into that because the the people who are coming after them, it's very political. It's mm. There's one point where someone is about to be hanged, one of the pirates, and he kind of makes this like last speech about like, like you elevate us as monsters to distract so that as a distraction yeah. from your everyday lives and so they can do horrible things in the name of fighting us and that, that kind of thing i mean if you want a really great revisionist examination of the british empire read natives by akala um, i haven't read it but great guy big fan of his music so real cool dude real mm. cool guy real if, clever guy if he ever wants to come on the podcast he'll probably have a lot better time than if alan moore ever does i would be intimidated oh, i've met akala oh cool he spoke at my university and he is the most intimidating intellect I've ever been in front of. And he's met me, folks, so that's saying something. Pardon? <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, the right. <laughs> yeah, no, you, I get you, It was so far a joke that you didn't know who I was talking <laughs> about or what, what it was in reference to. No, yeah, one of the most fierce and in- fiercely intelligent people I've ever, like, encountered in real life. Like, so, like, I mean, he, he was... Yeah, no, really, really well read. And for me, if I met him, I'd just be like, 
I loved your album, Double Think. Oh, Double Think's a great album. It's, it's the best. I mean, I think I think the thing that's most brilliant about him is the fact that he can adopt that parlance, but then also there's this whole other aspect to him where he very clearly and very obviously spent years of his life alone in a room reading and learning and availing himself of all of the information about history that he could mm. like such a knowledgeable historian and he's a comic book fan so he one day do you reckon maybe oh no he is a fan he made a comic or a graphic novel he made something like that did he i'm gonna i'm gonna double check that just so i don't put misinformation out there in case he didn't because i've read his books i've read natives and i've read um he wrote a novel about um shakespeare in like yeah he wrote a novel about um magic and shakespeare for young adults which was excellent so yeah he it, i the confusion might be he had a comic book ep but that was in line with a actual semi-autobiographical magical realist story comic book or graphic novel called visions if anyone wants to check out i haven't actually read we it myself yet read so i the shit out of that we'll save that for when he comes on and we'll be like so we're doing your comic book <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna tell you what we think about it to your face we loved it <laughs> So for manga tropes, I'm I'm seeing one that I don't know if if, if you if if you recognize this as one or not. The naive protagonist who just kind of bumbles through the story but is likable enough. Well, yeah, I mean that's very much yeah, absolutely. I mean even a passing knowledge of Dragon Ball. Yeah, I because when I say Dragon Ball, you're thinking grown up Goku Dragon. Well, Ball now Z, I'm thinking you? of the original because because you confirmed earlier. Now yeah. I'm thinking of the original kid Goku, kid Goku with the tail. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's very much that. Yeah, because he has power. So he again, it's it, the trope is they seem to have something about them which means they're able to be a bit naive and a bit bumbling through the story, but they have this protection that allows them to do it, whereas other characters don't. So Goku is obviously of... sa- super saiyan. Like extra strength and powers and stuff, and same with the rubber body in this. Well, I kind of feel like Luffy has a certain degree of plot armor because there's nobody else who really has powers, and all of their weapons are either bludgeoning, slashing, or piercing damage. Hmm. It, to 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 go deep in the D and D thing, his weakness, I don't, I guess, probably gets explored later. Seems to be water and yeah. drowning, which, for being a pirate character, is then an interesting wrinkle. Mm. There is it did hint towards the end of the chapter eight and mine and epic the first volume it should have ended at chapter seven because mm. that's where they leave with yeah, Zoro. Yeah. chapter eight is introduce a new character and starts like a new story arc yeah and then that's the end of volume one it's like you should have ended that chapter beforehand but in that they mention another pirate captain yeah who ate the the devil fruit yeah so that that introduces more characters so potentially it could be interesting when luffy then meets this other character and they have the same powers so did you read the issue where he got captured by a bunch of pirates with a girl who had a giant rock bird with her i didn't know the bird was with her it, so it ended just after he took out all the pirates and then she comes back and literally the last panel is her like wow you took care of all those guys like for me so there's an issue where they get trapped on the ship together right and he tells her a fictionalized backstory um replacing shank with a grandfather right who tells him off for eating the fruit so he gives so there's there's the one one of the one of the alternate 1.1 issues that's actually issue two so issue issues 1.1 and 1.2 
are alternate versions of issue two that aren't canon but become canon right at the end because you see the very end of that story arc mm. but one of them weird as fuck he tells a like luffy tells a fictionalized version of his own origin story like he retells a, 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 a fake version of his own origin story mm. that's interesting weird because <laughs> we mm. don't we don't see that character again but then like little things like that make me go what is that gonna have some effect later on like well yeah but it's just sloppy isn't it well, we don't know if it pays off. Like well, this is a it, revelation later might be like, hey, you remember I told you about Axel earlier? Well, that was, you know, that could be like a, uh, a a deepening bond between characters signifying that later on, like yeah. him telling you the truth or something. But no, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 think, I think the overwhelming thing that we're noticing here is that in terms of plot, things are a little sketchy. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and, and again, I suppose the other thing that we've not talked about here that I really want to get into at this point is the fact that this reads as though it's for children, mm. does do some swears. Well, say so I had a point kind of related to that, which I actually think embodies it quite a bit. So when they are about to free Zorro, and he's a pirate hunter, so he's hunting mm. pirates for the bounty, and that's like how he gets by, and that's how he's renowned for being so tough and yeah. capturing these pirates. And then at one point, he's like speaking to Luffy, while st- and he's still kind of captured or whatever, still um, tied up. And he's like, I would never be a... Luffy's like, hey, join my crew, become a pirate. And asking the pirate hunter to become a pirate. And Zoro's like, nah, but I hate pirates, they're evil. And then Luffy goes, um, so I, I wrote it down. Luffy says, there's nothing wrong with being a pirate. And I went, does Luffy know what a pirate is? <laughs> and that's when you say it's for kids, that kind of hints into that childish yeah. view of pirates where it's like adventurer and not thief for the but again best. there's a just and I, I don't know if this happens in the secret issue that you didn't read mm. but it happens a few times where luffy draws this distinction between pirate mains who only rob from other pirates so that they can have fun adventures and then the other type of pirates who steal from everyone else you're so fascinating about that is that is a distinction that that's a trope that i recognize from the wire yeah, yeah, yeah. Character Omar <laughs> is like morally dubious because he's in the game for the parlance of the wire. That's the most British thing I've ever said in my life. Yeah. Um, but he and he robs other drug dealers. He robs drug dealers, so he's not he's not robbing anyone like innocent. Yeah. But they're in the game, so he they're they're fair game as far as anyone's concerned. But and he's kind of morally like he works with the police because he's not part of the same like no snitching rules and all that. So it kind of feels a bit like that. It's like, we're pirates, but we only pirate other pirates. Yeah, so. absolutely. Which, to be honest with you, is a sensible, a reasonably sensible way of doing it. <laughs> I mean, exclusively going after the people who themselves are violent thieves. Like, that's maybe not the best uh, career choice. Super common. Um, so again, I know a little, well, I watched a couple of videos about how piracy what how piracy piracy was supposed to have worked mm. and this is the old timey piracy not the i'm not paying 500 dollars for adobe piracy <laughs> yes different kinds <laughs> the kind of piracy you have to engage in to read the clone wars comics um, yes <laughs> um someone someone theoretically would yeah and so when a pirate would when a when a band of pirates would um take over a naval ship they would hold a court of the, um, what would you call the, the captain? Right. So they would hold a kangaroo court of the captain and they would allow his men <laughs> to decide his fate. 
And the idea was if they unshackled them from the cruel captain and, you know, they weren't being paid much by the Empire, blah, 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 they would probably give over everything they had and then they would execute the captain and they would sail back to the Empire and they'd give them a new captain. They'd be like, you were a victim of piracy, that happens. Hmm. And so there, there, are, there were instances where pirates would try to go the least violent route and would commit piracy against other bands of pirates and hold their captains accountable well the specific reason that i suspect from what i've seen of the real life pirate like history is most pirates were ex-british navy because what literally happened was um you the england was at war with france and spain and at one point it kind of it kind of ebbed and flowed in how much war they were like, mm. it went from like hard military war to cold war where they were kind of okay but not really but when yeah. it built up they literally would build up their navy and this over, over like years they'd build up their navy like get as many people in as possible get them out to sea like capture land and territory and then they would have like an agree and then suddenly they'd be a treaty and they'd be like okay we're not a war now like we're fine now and then all these naval like uh all these soldiers what's the naval naval version of soldiers navalmen navalmen yeah would be out to sea and literally told out to sea we actually don't need you anymore like you, you we, they get a communication they'd be like you're done now and suddenly you've got all these people who have no skills other than exactly being so they navalmen would, yeah so when you say about them being a bit more merciful when um pirating these ships is because not only are they similar people to them like not too long ago they could have been people they were previously yeah working with in working within the navy so they had a bit of like a look we've been fucked over by england but like you lot like we understand where you're coming from and i think yeah. there was a lot of depending on pirate to pirate captain to captain ship to ship some were quite ruthless and wanted to instill that fear yeah. that reputation others i think were like look we're taking everything from the ship you lot, you can either stay on the ship and get yourselves home. Like, we, we've got our ship. We're taking yeah. the stock. We don't need anything else. You can get yourself home and tell tales about how we, you know, like, were violent and whatever. Or you can join us. You can and prove yourself for us. really interesting thing is that, obviously, you they had banners that denoted which band of pirates they were. Mm. But what they would do is they would, mark, they, would, they would fly a Union Jack and they would put a bunch of ballasts on their ship so they moved really slowly put all of their um like all of their stores above deck right yeah so they were moving really slowly they had a british standard they would look like a british naval ship that was moving really slowly because it was full of stuff and then as they got up to the naval ships mm. they would change it over for a jolly roger lose all the ballasts yeah suddenly there'd be this quick and nimble lean pirate ship and you only had to board a couple of british naval ships and kill everyone before you had such a reputation that they would often just surrender yep 100%. and go here's the captain here's everything that we have pillaged from these other countries that we're going to as the navy mm. take it kill the captain somebody will sail this ship back to back home and we're done and you had even a lot of captains who were like like according to they were like the safest thing is we just stop give them everything and if we're nice enough they'll just fuck off very quickly it's a transaction on the high seas isn't it exactly yeah. um and so the idea that luffy would be a kind of you know like a more friendly pirate isn't entirely inconceivable it's not entirely not rooted in history is it and there was enough of it 
that kind of made sense to me to keep me there. But again, specific plot points and specific plot moments. Mm. I was just kind of looking at it like this doesn't make a whole lick of sense. Well, this is like you put it very well when you said it's a child. It's more of a childish view of pirates, but with swearing. Yeah. And the childish view of pirates, I think, from like Treasure Island and stuff is an adventurer who's finding treasure. Not... Someone who boards a ship, maybe kills a few people and steals their shit. Absolutely. Like, and and this is it. I think a lot of our... Yeah, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head. And to be fair, this this title, like, it does seem to be Luffy specifically, who that is the naive child. Yeah. Because everyone else is talking about pirates as outlaws who steal stuff. And people die. People get yeah. shot. People get stabbed. Like, the bandit shoots somebody, doesn't he? Does he? Uh, in chapter one? Or is because uh, Kobe gets, I think, shot in the hand or something a bit later? Yeah. And then, you know, the, the secret issue that I was talking about? Right, yeah. The girl with the bird gets shot in the shoulder. Okay, right. Um, and so, yeah, people get shot, people get maimed, but that's very piratey, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, the swears threw me off because there's a lot of bastard and a lot of bitch. Very specifically, those two swears. Mm. And I'm wondering, and again, I don't know if this is right, but my assumption is that because swear words aren't universal, like the specific term that will be a swear word in one language, they won't have a direct corollary for it. Yeah. And I, uh, we said this off air a bit earlier. I think an example that I made, which pretty much summed up was if in English language, if you, if you have a character who just goes, fuck, out of anger, you wouldn't translate that literally to another language where they just go, sex, out of anger. Like, and this is it. And there's a great example, which is the- Intercourse. Intercourse. In ah. the name of the king. <laughs> Uh, what is it? Um, fornication under consent of the king or something. Yeah. Um, Think of England. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the most insulting swear word in Polish is your mother's vagina. Yeah. Is what it means. We don't have a corollary for that. And bastard and bitch are both words that have a specific meaning in the English language and can be used in context without being offensive. Right. You're referring to a female dog, it's a bitch. If you're referring to somebody's illegitimate child, they are a bastard. And so I'm wondering if those terms, those specific things aren't as offensive in Japanese. Hmm. And so the term for an illegitimate child isn't an offensive term. And calling a woman the name for a female dog isn't as offensive. They're just Hmm. parts of the language. And it's been translated quite directly. Hmm. And suddenly those words have another meaning here. Because it feels as though this was written for children and it's just riddled with swears it it, it it might exactly be that and to say in japan it's just a kid's thing and then as soon as they brought it over here it was like oh this pirate tale is a bit spicy this manga is a bit spicy isn't it yeah and this is it and i do wonder if it's just a feature of the translation because it does just comes off as a bit weird mm. and again the one thing they do though which i respect the hell out of is they don't use the symbols to Blow well, that, the that's an exclusively not only western but big two marvel dc thing uh right okay yeah that's uh I'd, I'd be surprised if i saw that in a third party like that is that is marvel and dc trying to have their cake and eat it too like but have it's a funny character. because one of the things i really wanted to do in this episode and was quite excited about before i read the book is where would we put the yeah. swear and they're already there so we can't do it yeah they've already got them in whether they're the best place or not that's for everyone to decide Absolutely. i suppose yeah a quick tangent on top on topics yeah uh, uh, on um swear specifically yeah uh, i had a friend recently who you know uh who recently had a child and did the child do a swear yes <laughs> literally out of the womb no. <laughs> and the fucking hell is cold in it, it the way it's england mate like the way he announced it he did he 
he used in the group chat. He announced it as his his bastard son. <laughs> and he, what he specifically meant, and he's an intelligent man, so he was using the the literal born out of wedlock. Yeah, so yeah. they're not married, and that's why. But when I read it, I went the Game of Thrones route, and I just went, is is he not yours? Like, <laughs> what? Like, I was so confused. I was like, hang on, he is yours, but someone else is the mum? Like, what, what's going on? And I literally, I had a few seconds of that and then stopped myself, went, hang on, let's just work out for a second. I went, that, yep, yeah, the original meaning, yeah. Well, I suppose the thing with it is the Game of Thrones re- meaning is the original meaning because you would always be married to your yeah. partner then. And so any child you had out of wedlock was with somebody other than your partner. But the context is widely different. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. No, And do you know what? I'd never considered that nuance to it, but you are right. But yeah, a lot of bastards and bitches here. And, and it In threw me room. off. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the bastard? Who's the bitch? I mean, write in, folks, and <laughs> who, who do you think? Commaglitter at gmail.com. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> And there was one point that I did make, which actually relates to your speculation about the translation um, mm. issues. There's one line from uh, the lieutenant where it's a line he delivers as he's hitting his adult son, who apparently he's never hit before. And the line is uh, literally calls his son a bastard son who's not worth hitting while hitting him. I now think is that was that a translation issue or is that like a intentional irony of this extremely flawed character who's like I'd never hit you bang like it, it, yeah I mean a big point is made out of the fact that his son is illegitimate yeah so the They're, bastard part is is very yeah. spot on imagine that though meaning so little to your own father that he wouldn't even hit you I mean that's the a tragedy that could be its own long form story yeah, and yeah right. it's just an off-the-cuff line here, which, again, I, it could be because of the translation. It might not have mm. necessarily been intended that way in the English translation. In general, though, because this was... this, uh, I'd be really interested to know how you feel about the dialogue, because when we did Demon Slayer, you found it quite stilted. And, mm. and again, Demon Slayer started quite a while after this. Demon Slayer was relatively modern. Yeah. And I would argue that... Um, as as manga in the West became more popular, more money and effort was expended on the translations. Yeah. We're looking at something from the late 90s here. I think the dialogue comes off a bit better, if I, I'm being honest with you. Now that I think about it, I think it's, for me, it's on par with Demon Slayer, which is a credit, as you say, because of when it came out. So for yeah. 97, I think it's a lot better. Because Demon Slayer was 2006, wasn't it? So there's almost a so, yeah. decade between them. Yeah, I think I, I generally, I still have issues with the manga style of dialogue. And yeah. I think that's just, again, it's probably almost exclusively down to translation. Well, I would like, if we, if we do more manga, and it's seeming like we're going to, because we always have really interesting conversations about it, mm. I would be well intrigued to get give you some like Japanese fiction. There's some Japanese long-form fiction that's been mm. translated into English. Even just excerpts from it, like the odd chapter here and there. So you can get a taste for what written Japanese looks like when it's translated into English. Yeah. Because again, there is this thing that some languages translate into other languages more easily, which is why translators still exist. It's why in the age of AI and Google Translate, there are still people whose job it is to translate things because it needs a human touch and it needs somebody who has a really deep understanding of both languages, right? And so because like the Western European languages share a lot of their roots with English and there's a lot of STEM languages 
they share a lot of STEM languages that feed into each other. There's like quite... how Latin is like the root of our, all European languages. Yeah, and you know, the Romantic languages, even, you know, in, in English, there's a lot of French influence. And so translating between French and English is actually pretty seamless and German and German and like Dutch or Flemish will translate into each other really nicely, that kind mm. of thing. Japanese and English couldn't be further apart yes, in exactly. terms of their influences. And so when Japanese is translated into English, it does come off a little bit stilted in general. Mm. But I actually think that because you're only seeing snippets of dialogue in manga, it's actually more naturalistic than reading a whole novel that's been translated into English. I find Japanese that's been translated into English comes off as being overly formal mm. because there, there, there's this emphasis on formal and informal phrasing in japanese yeah to almost to the point where they're almost because like d d separate languages is that right yeah yeah well they're distinct dialects almost right and so for like the quite formal nature of japanese means that when you see it on the page having been translated into english mm. it does come off as a little bit stiff i suppose yeah but again, here, I, I definitely found the dialogue to flow better than Demon Slayer. Yeah. I definitely found it a bit more naturalistic. So I'm interested to see that actually your experience of it with a little bit less experience reading Japanese translated into English is that they both read the same to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, if as long as we remember for the next time we do a manga, then we'll, it will definitely be interesting to, to incorporate that in the next episode. One other point. Just to top it off with, assuming that you've not got any other major points to address at all. We'll work that one out. Um, jazz, it, baby. When, yeah, it's all jazz. When we're talking about dialogue especially, the Zoro character having the three katanas. Yeah, right. And one that he holds in his mouth and somehow still is able to speak flawlessly <laughs> while holding a katana in his mouth. If you want uh, dis like suspension of disbelief, that's where you have to stretch it to. Well, that's the one thing I remembered about that character. <laughs> From my first reading of it. And I was like, I wonder what Ryan's going to say to the katana in the mouth. I mean, it was cool. But then he started speaking. I was like, hang on a minute. Did it remind you of the dog in Dark Souls? Dog in Dark Souls? Isn't oh, it? yeah, 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 yeah. The, you know the, the big wolf. I mean. yeah, 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 the big wolf with the sword in his mouth. Yeah. The, the only reason there's confusion is Dark Souls games are famous for having dogs as smaller characters that are just absolute assholes. Oh, like, uh, right. That yeah, are like, yeah. really hard to defend against and can kill you if you get ganged up on by more than one. Like, But yeah, I know the Sif the wolf yeah, uh, yeah. Is, just holds a big sword in his mouth. And that's, that's believable because he doesn't talk. And that, that's, <laughs> that's my rule now. Does he talk without the sword? He doesn't talk at all. So that's okay. why he's allowed to hold the sword in his mouth. Again, though, I because like Zoro is obviously a pretty central character. He's one of the roster, isn't he? He's one of his pirates. He's the first uh, recruited character, essentially. And yeah, and to be honest with you, we're a volume in when we've not even really seen him put his crew together yet. No, no. Which is cool. There's so, like, we, we could have, I suppose, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think this is a really f good place for us to talk about it on air. Mm. Is that... We often only read a volume, we read a handful of issues, and then we come in quite hot with our takes on it. Yeah. And actually, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's, te there's, there's texts like this where we could have spent two months prepping. Yeah, 100%. Actually, we both prepped in a couple of days here. And it's because we make this weekly, mm. and so there are certain time constraints. And I, like, I've been thinking about it a lot and wondering if it... If it aids what we do or hampers it <laughs> i think we're coming in with a specific viewpoint and that yeah. is someone who was that is someone who for most of these texts someone who's just picked it up and just started it and what we think of the first 
first volume or collection of issues mm. um and there, there absolutely there are people out there who like like i mentioned earlier there's youtube channels with million subscribers who are almost exclusively about this content yeah. and they're going to have a completely different opinion not only loving it because they've dedicated like their time and work to talking about it but they're going to have different opinions about every little facet of it so the the mission statement of the comic lyric podcast i think we've developed now that we're 30 plus episodes in we are we we forgot to mention episode 30 didn't we yeah well it's what well, once we get to 100 we'll talk we'll mention that <laughs> we'll do a celebration for we'll that. do a centenary yeah and we'll have um hats that no one can see again and we won't mention them deeply visual jokes and a non-visual medium and we won't mention them at all like and that's the important and confetti everywhere which no one can Standard. see yeah but i think the mission statement is is if you pick up an issue if we're talking about a comic or a manga that you haven't seen or read at all then you one you can get our viewpoint you can have your viewpoint alongside us yeah. so if you see the title and you think i want to read this first then then hear them or hear the episode first and then read it and see what i think yeah we share that with the viewer yeah if we're talking about something that a person listening is like might be a huge one piece fan mm then I like to think we're offering the interesting take of newbies coming into this and yeah. what we think about it. And also we have that with, with each other when like we're doing a comic book title and I'm seeing your new brand new perspective of it. And oh, definitely. And I think I think we're going to see that coming coming up because we're reading at some point soon, we're going to be doing a graphic novel, a, gra- a graphic version of a nonfiction book that I really love that you have not read. Exactly. And, it, you, you know, and, and we have that back and forth when we do superhero stuff and you are like deep in the lore and have a good understanding of everything that's happening. And I'm like, cosmic treadmills? Yeah. Why is there a penny in the Batcave? Do you know what I mean? Like these really dumb surface level observations that only somebody who's not entrenched in the genre would have yeah and i like to think we're offering that to someone who might be the biggest manga fan or the biggest specifically one piece fan like yeah. that's that's why what we try and do here but i just thought it would be i thought this was a really interesting point for you and i to talk about it on air because mm. um you know it's, it's definitely those are the parameters of our interpretation aren't they i mean if the podcast does it gets even more successful than it is now then hopefully we'll get to a point where we could do a big reading 10 volumes of One Piece and then do a three-hour podcast all about it. Like, we, yeah. hopefully we'll get to that point in the future. You know, when we when we finally get invi- invited to Norwich Comic Con and we can do a live recording in the UEA Hall. <laughs> to be honest, I'd rather do a recording, because oh, I've thought about this naturally, I, <laughs> I'd rather do a recording in a comic book shop. I think that'd be cool, because especially like the literal comics would be like a good sound... Um, <laughs> like buffer <laughs> for recording in so you just think that all the all of the paper would be great baffling yeah exactly <laughs> and it'd literally be a comic book store and a comic book podcast so yeah and then we could sell i'm a wizard t-shirts exactly i'm a i'm a fucking wizard i'm a fucking wizard but that it'd be the f and then the symbols like the comics oh God. it'd have to be it's it's the it's the reference to the podcast God. you heard it here for, you've uh, you heard it here <sighs> first folks that's what's happening so thank you for listening yeah. <laughs> to the final episode of the Comic Letterer podcast. Now, never coming nah, back. we'll be back next week. Yeah, maybe. Don't worry about it. Maybe. Next week, nice another enough. thing. We haven't decided yet. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you have had a wonderful time because I know we have. Um, if uh, you would... Apart from sweating my body weight, uh, I've had a great time. Yeah, I've lost weight on this episode. It's been good exercise. Um, if you would like to write into us, as has been mentioned on numerous occasions during this recording, comicliterate at gmail.com, if you'd like to leave a review, 
Say whatever the hell you want as long as it's five stars, guys. That's all we care about. And make sure to check out, for the short time I'm still making them, the shorts going out on YouTube and TikTok. We had a great one, a tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one that took off, and yeah. hopefully they're going to keep on that success. Otherwise, I'm going to get real depressed. <laughs> and we don't want that. No. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a wonderful evening. Bye. Goodbye.